The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 18. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. As always, I'm joined with my co-host with the most, Mr. Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, mate. Thanks. How are you? I am doing fantastic. We are tackling this show nice and early in the morning. Um, I'm assuming because... We want to try and contain some level of optimism and energy. Yeah. If we record later on, forget it. After these yeah. shitstorms <laughs> like, of movies that we got. <laughs> it would have been, fuck this movie, on to the next one. Um, yeah, so um, we have another three movie reviews for you this week. We're, we're slowly creeping up on that, that final episode. It's not that long away now. But a ton of great movies, hopefully, still ahead of us. And I think we jinxed ourselves. I think after the first two episodes of the non-prosecuted list, we kind of got it into our head that we were going to be coming across a lot of these hidden gems we'd never heard of. And since we've said that, Andy, there's not been many. We cursed it. I can't believe it. Like, it was it was going so, so well. And then, I mean, we're, I, think, I think we're going to be kind of back on a little bit of good form for the next couple. But holy shit, the two films that we've watch tonight are next level my my mind-blowingly bad it's insane <laughs> yeah yeah i think i jinx it as well every time i say this is about as low as the list gets i don't think we can go any lower and then you see particularly one of the movies we're going to be talking about later on and it just it, it is just fucking awful it's... i mean i could put i could set my one and a half year old up with a video camera and tell her to go and shoot the dogs running around the back garden, and it would be better made. I imagine she could probably act better as well. <laughs> yeah, I, oh my god, what was up with that? I actually thought that they were like pod people. <laughs> yeah, like aliens had taken them over because they just they don't know how to emote. 
No, I mean, we'll get into this, but like the, there are zombified characters that I think are deliberately supposed to talk monotone, <laughs> but everybody in the film talks monotone. It's mental. It's fucking mental, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tonight we are going to be talking about Frozen Screams from 1975. We're going to follow that up with The Fun House uh, from Toe Pooper uh, from 1981. And then we will be closing out the show with Human Experiments in 1979. Um, but first, I need to ask you, Andy, have you... And I don't think you've been doing anything. There was nothing that happened at all which made me jealous as fuck. <laughs> um, what, what, what have you been up to since I spoke to you last Yeah, time? I have been doing something good. We should just tell the listeners, me and you normally have about a 20-minute chat before we start recording. Tonight I went, save it. Save it for on air because we've got nothing to say about the other films. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so if, if this if this intro bit runs a bit long, it's you trust me, you'll be thanking us at the end. Yeah. Basically, yeah, I went to watch a, an outdoor screening of Big Trouble in Little China that was fucking oh. awesome. Oh. Uh, in in Nottingham, it was really nice actually. There's a place called the Cobden Chambers, um, and it was just like a little gate on out on the street that kind of took you through this little corridor to like almost like the courtyard of a of an old pub sort of thing. Uh huh. And it was just set there with like a like a digital projection screen and only about fifty seats and just like a little stall selling DVDs and a little stall selling food and yeah, it was fucking great. Like only about fifty people and obviously all huge fans of the film and it was just yeah. amazing to watch it with an audience because I've only ever seen this film like at home on DVD. Uh-huh. Um, and it was brilliant. There was a couple actually that we got chatting to. They were sitting behind us, and they'd never seen it. They were just coming to help their mate. He was running. It was running the thing. Oh, it's like moral support. And he went. So how many times have you seen this? And Rachel went. I don't know. Twenty, thirty. I went about a hundred. Oh yeah, easily about a hundred. <laughs> and yeah. he went. Really? I went. Yep. He went. Fuck. And then he went. Oh, but to be fair, he said, you know, if you listen. If you listen to your favourite song over a hundred times, that's completely normal, isn't it? If you hadn't listened to it a hundred times, it wouldn't be your favourite song. Uh-huh. I said, well, you know, it has been in like over 25 years that I've watched it, you know, like that many times. Anyway, we were just chatting to him for a bit. And then like when the film finished, he just came up to me and went, that was fucking epic, mate. <laughs> he went, I can totally see why that's just like one of your favourite films of all time. He was really tough. We could hear them like cracking up behind us all the way through it. And that was just fucking great for me because I always think with stuff like that, like if I watched that film for the first time as an adult, would I be as blown away by it? And this guy, like, I don't think he wasn't bullshitting me. He genuinely came up and he went, Andy, I just want to say I, that was fucking brilliant. And I was, that, I think, was a lot of the best thing of the night was like finding out that someone that had never seen it before thought it was as amazing as I do. So that was really cool. I just don't know how anyone couldn't like that movie. I know, that's what I think. We, I always get worried with stuff like that because I just think, you know, is, is it me? Is it just pure nostalgia? But I think, no, it's not. It's so fucking good. And it was weird because, like, people were absolutely in stitches. It's stuff that I'd never normally really laughed at. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, oh, it, it is really funny. Like, stuff always raises a smile with me. And I think, oh, it's really, like, it's really clever. And, like, something like the humour and the, and the glances towards each other. But yeah, people were really fucking cracking up and it was just such a good atmosphere. Um, yeah, amazing. And it's, I kind of cemented it because I, I always flip-flop between Terminator what 2 and this film is my favourite film of all time. And I think T2 probably still is my favourite film, but I think as, as, like, as an enjoyment thing goes, I can just literally watch Big Children in Little China any time and it is just fucking amazing. It's just one of them films you can just stick on it, no matter what mood you're in. 
and it's fucking great. So yeah, that was awesome. And it only cost us a tenner for the ticket, and you got free stuff. It was great. So yeah, I'm hoping these guys, the film exchange, um, are going to do a few more. Like they did Old Boy a couple of months ago, and that's the, the these are the only two films they've done. They're quite a new sort of group that are setting up. But I'd love to do something like that. I was thinking, like, how hard could it be? Because they're probably not making a shitload of money because they had to hire like a doorman to keep weirdos out. Although I think most of the weirdos were in like, watching the film. Um, <laughs> it's, it's more about actually obtaining the right to show it and charge for it. That's what I thought. Yeah, like how much yeah. does that cost? Because that film's not old enough to be in the public domain yet, is it? No, 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 no. Um, it's, um, you would have to... Depending on what version you probably would have to approach Arrow. Okay. Um, if you were intended on using like their Blu-ray, for example, their Blu-ray print, you would ask them. Um, or in some scenarios, you can actually approach companies like that and they will they will do it for you. Okay. Um, but like I say, I don't know how much, don't know how much that sort of thing costs. Uh, I would imagine it's relative to the size of the audience. Yeah, I mean, this was pretty small and pretty cosy, which was really great. I mean, we got there sort of, like dead early, and we were on the front row, which was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like, we, when we were driving home, we were just thinking of films that would be absolutely amazing to do in that scenario, and we came out with about 10, like straight off the bounce, just going, oh yeah, that like the thing, it'd be amazing, American Werewolf in London, imagine watching that, and yeah, it just got me thinking, so I might have a look into it. I think it might probably be far too much hassle, and you probably need to know quite a lot of people, because I don't think, I think, it was like someone else's projector that they had to use, and then like they, I think they knew people that owned the venue and that sort of thing. But yeah, it was really cool, mate. I've never really done anything like that, and it's made me want to go and see some, like the Midnight Horror Madness and stuff like that. It's really made me think I'd like to go to something like that because watching something with an audience. Because obviously you go to the cinema and stuff, but usually it's people watching the film for the first time. I've never like sat in an audience of people that it's been their favourite film for twenty years. Yeah, it's just a whole other experience. I know you've obviously been, haven't you? Like you watched uh, some really cool films, didn't you, last year? Like uh, Charles playing the thing and stuff. Yeah, that was this year, believe it or not. Was, oh yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and they've they've announced the the lineup for they do um, two events a year every year, and um, they announced the lineup for this year, and it's a pretty good one again, actually. Um, Including, I think, Evil Dead's one of the movies. Is it? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, as far as... I mean, I'll go along to it. I've always been a big a, a big fan of doing those sorts of... Uh, those sorts of events. Yeah. Since, I, I mean, I went to... Did uh, There's a horror festival up in Edinburgh called uh, Dead by Dawn. Okay. And it's part, uh, it lasts like a full weekend. Um, and it can be quite pricey. Uh, but they do a thing called Spawn of Dawn, which runs at, it's like the Saturday night from uh, 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So it's 10 o'clock at night to 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you get five feature-length movies. One of them will be a classic horror movie. Yeah. And then the rest are new ones. And then you get 10 short horror movies as well. Okay. Um, and it's, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, All Night Horror Madness this year has The Evil Dead. Mm. Um, they're surprise movies, so... Like they always put a movie on that no one knows what it is yet. It just says super messed up surprise flick. Okay. Um, the Hidden, which is a fucking awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, from the eighties. PCs. Cool. Because uh, he owns a print of that, so that's why. Uh, zombie flesh eaters. Oh. 
Mental. As well, so yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I almost certainly will be at that one again this year. But there is something cool about seeing those movies with a crowd. I mean, uh, like, I remember seeing... Um, I remember seeing, like, Tenebrae yeah. with a group of people and... Even when I was speaking to the guy, actually, I don't know if you the guy that did that, that festival, when I spoke to him, he'd said that Tenebrae had played in... He played it in Glasgow and the crowd reaction to it was just cold. No one really... Oh, really? Yeah, it was really disappointed and surprised by it. And then the month later, they played it in Edinburgh and the crowd were going crazy, laughing, joking... <laughs> You know, making noises when things. You know, so yeah, it just yeah. it just depends. It depends what your audience is as well. But I can't imagine any audience in the world not enjoying Big Trouble in Little China. I love. I think that movie is, especially if you've grown up with it, yeah. it's just like the perfect fucking movie. I, I, there's nothing about it I think is bad at all. No, it's weird because I needed a wee towards the end, right? And there was bits where I thought I can't leave. I just literally had to stay. Until the end, just holding it in because it was really fucking cold as well. So I just sat there <laughs> shivering, needing a piss. But yeah, like that last sort of twenty minutes, I was like, right after after Jack kills uh, Low Pan, I'm like, uh-huh. and I thought no, because then like I need to see thunder blow up, and then I want to see like lightning, like throwing the lightning all down the corridor and the massive yeah. grate falling. I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna stay till the end because <laughs> there was a queue for the tour. I thought I don't know how long I'm gonna be gone. So no, like it was fucking brilliant. And all the bits you're just waiting for, I just had a big fucking grin on my face. It was just awesome. So yeah, that's um yeah, that was a great experience. Other stuff I've been doing, I watched Dead Snow Two again last night on Blu-ray. I only watched that for the first time recently. Did you? And the transfer is fucking amazing, obviously, because it's digital. But yeah, yeah. What, a, what a fucking great film. Like, it's a really, really good... Uh, the beauty of it for me is that that movie only came out in the UK this year, so it's in contention for my top ten this year. Yeah. Um, and, and horror. And um, it's comfortably up there. I think... Um, Although, as controversial as my stance is, I prefer the first one over the second one. Oh, do you? No, I can't. Yeah, I think, I think there's something... I love the scope of it, and I love the goofiness of the second movie. Yeah. I, I love how... like, Not that those are detrimental, but I think because the first movie is so more self-contained... Yeah. And just the, the budget they had was next to nothing. And I, there's a very Evil Dead vibe about that very first movie that I just yeah. totally love. Okay. Um... But that's not to take anything away from the the second movie. I loved that too. I just think the first one just pips it. Okay. Um, plus, I've had like years of watching Dead Snow, and I've seen Dead Snow two once. Okay. So you you don't know how that's going to happen after repeat viewings. It might very well be that Dead Snow two. Yeah, I mean, it's my second viewing, and after the first one, I thought, God, that. Was, I mean, for me, it did sort of. It just bettered the first one in every way for me, and. Like when you watch the Mickey game, you think, "Oh, it won't." But it, you know, sometimes it's not as good as you remember, is it? You go, "Oh, fucking, they weren't that good." For me, like watching it the second time, I was like, "Oh, it is. It's just as fucking great." Like it's brutal, fucking violent. Yeah, yeah. Like, considering how goofy it is, I think that's what makes it so like interesting. Because there are like there are genuinely funny bits, especially like the zombie crew that come from America. Yeah. There's like genuinely funny interplay with them three because they're all just nerds. There's really like great comic timing and stuff between like a lot of the characters, and especially the guy that's got like the zombie arm. <laughs> yeah. But then when the violence happens, people are literally being like smashed in the face with hammers like multiple times, having their intestines ripped out. It's and it's fucking grim, but in a really <laughs> good way. Like there's some just amazing stuff. Someone getting run over by a tank. Like kids getting their fucking blown up and the baby just comes flying at the screen. Just real shit. I don't think you probably get away with in an American film. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is just fucking great. Um, and then the last thing that we've kind of watched that's probably worth talking about is just Hannibal. Oh. Jesus. Oh, what well, that show is just like the perfect show. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, many, how many shows? Like, uh, let's think about this, right? Because recently there have been a lot of complaints with endings of shows. Like yeah. shows that come like come to an end after a while. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm very critical about how shows end. Um, and I've always been that way because I, I feel that if you spend enough time with a character through many seasons and stuff, that an ending has to make sense to the character. So, like, to me, watching something like Dexter, which was, like, my favourite fucking show, I felt that season eight set up things in a way which didn't feel true to the character. So when that ending happened, I was just like, Dexter would never have done that. Yeah. It would never have done that. Like, in the seven seasons before... It would never have done that. So I, you know, and obviously they've they've changed things around slightly to make it to that end. And I understand that they had to make an end, yeah, because the show wasn't going to go beyond that. Um, same thing with Sons of Anarchy. I thought Sons of Anarchy was a great show up until that last season, and then it started setting up things where I was like, "There's been no indication ever that this character would ever do anything like this." So why are you doing that? It's obviously to make it towards an end. <laughs> you watch Hannibal, and Hannibal finishes the show. Perfectly, yeah. Perfectly, it almost it almost felt like when that first episode of season one was written, they had, you know, that last episode of season three written, and they just you know made this huge story out. It just fit perfectly into it, and it was one of those shows that when it finished, I actually wanted to stand up and applaud it. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely incredible, and now we're in a position where, you know, it's it's definitely not on. TV for the foreseeable future. Brian Fuller says he's going to continue trying to find an avenue for it. He, he says that it might be a movie. Uh, he's going to try and work at something, but it's going to be a couple of years before we potentially see anything. But see if it doesn't come back, Andy. Yeah, I, I'm still be. I'll be safe in the knowledge that it is potentially the greatest three season story arc of TV I've ever seen. It's fucking brilliant. Well, the thing is, like for me, these things go on for far too long. Yeah, and I know he did have a plan to do like six or seven series or whatever. And from yeah. what I've heard, I'm, I was, I'm really psyched about what he was going to do because I genuinely like hold faith that it would have carried on in the same vein, you know, being as, as good as it was. But sometimes less is more with stuff like that. Like some of my favourite sitcoms and stuff of all time are really short series. You know, you've got stuff like Faulty Towers, they did two series and they stopped. Like The English Office, the film The Extras, um, which you wasted after that, two seasons stops. Like Blackadder, they capped that off after about three seasons. Yeah. Sometimes less is more, and I think, like, I do really want to see it go more. I really want to see, see what they're going to do. I, I, like the Science of the Lambs thing, I, I, I would really love to see that. Because, like, you, three years ago, if you ever said to me they're going to remake Silence of the Lambs, I'd have been gone fuck off. I'd have been absolutely livid. Now, yeah. for me, he he's Hannibal. Mads Mikkelsen yeah. is Hannibal, as far as I'm concerned. So I, more than anything, want to see them do the Science of the Lamb storyline. Um, but like you say, if it doesn't happen, and if we only ever get three seasons, then I've got three seasons on Blu-ray, and I'll probably watch them every couple of years, you know, from start to finish, because it is it's fucking it's that good. It's I mean, how good. how often how often do you get in a position where? There's um, an Academy Award-winning movie, like Silence of the Lambs was, you know, several uh, Academy Awards. And then, you know, an iconic character 
who you have an actor so closely associated with. I mean, basically, you know, Anthony Hopkins is all, his career before was never kind of overshadowed with the character of Hannibal Lecter, but from the moment of Silence of the Lambs onwards, he was Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. How often do you get a position where a TV show can bring forth an actor who then becomes synonymous with the, with the character? I mean, to me, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I genuinely think, like, the best incarnation of Hannibal Lecter they will ever have mm. is Mads Mikkels. And I, I have always been a firm believer that Brian Cox is... Uh, I, I really like Brian Cox's performance as, as Hannibal in Manhunter. I think he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And he was the first Hannibal. And, you know, when you see Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins does really put a... He gives him a more theatrical kind of prominence on screen. But from that point onwards, Hannibal is not a great character. I mean, you watch the movie of Hannibal, the story's really great, but Hopkins is camping it up. To you know, to the next level, and by the time you get to that Red Dragon remake, I, I mean it's just as cringe. Yeah, I'm not a fan at all of the Red Dragon. I mean, to be honest, I, I I personally like Hannibal as much as I like Silence of the Lambs, the films. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Red Dragon. I think I've only probably seen it twice. It's not. Just... It's not something I've easily seen Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal in double figures, both of them. Yeah, I've seen it twice, Red, Red Dragon. It's just like, I'm just not bothered about it. And I, re- I love Edward Norton as well in pretty much everything he's ever done. Like he's one of my favourite actors, Edward Norton. And even he doesn't do anything for me in that film. Yeah, I just don't like his. I just don't. Th- I don't see him as Will Graham. I mean, in Manhunter, Will Graham is played by William Peterson. Yeah. Who played Grissom in CSI? Mm. And. Um, there's an urgency about the character. He feels quite manic. Yeah. And see when you see Edward Norton's performance, he still he still seems scarily in control of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? He never really feels like he's he's struggling with anything internal at all. No. And that's the difference when you see, like um, Hugh Dancy's performance. Yeah. Is the, the, this uncomfortableness about the character? living within his skin, knowing fine well, right at the very start, that if he starts back down the road of helping <laughs> he the stop. FBI, yeah, he's, he's not going to be able to stop. What he lets in, he can't get out. And it's weird because like Edward Norton has literally built an entire career on playing dual characters. Of, yeah. Like, literally, there's about five or six films where he's got two personalities in, in those films. Like, you've got American History X, obviously The Hulk, and there's that one, Primal, Primal Fear, Yep. And the score. There's just so many films where Edward Norton has a complete duality, and that's what Will Graham is supposed to be. So I can only think it's the director that fucked that up because oh, he's a terrible director. Perfect. He was the perfect actor to play a guy battling two, two personalities. So they yeah, fucked it up just massively. But yeah, I really enjoyed the Red Dragon storyline in the movie. And that final, I mean, let's we won't talk about it because there's probably a lot of people that haven't seen it. But fuck me, like that that sort of last ten minutes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! Like, that's that's how you end the show. Yeah. That that is how you end the show. And their last interaction, the last line shared between the two characters, is just the perfect thing ever. And then I love the small, you know, the small clip right at the very end, which is it just made me smile from ear to ear. And I thought, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, abs- absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a show that I'm gonna definitely miss. 
Um, but like we said, you you've got the opportunity to own it on Blu-ray, and you can visit it, revisit it as much as possible. And I'll be interested to see moving forward how many shows do the Hannibal thing. You know, how how gory do we go? How more art house do we go? Um, I think there's potential there, especially with shows like Twin Peaks coming back. Okay, to to take it really dark. Yeah, to to go really dark and really avant-garde and really against the wall and really strange. I mean, I was watching Wayward Pines. Uh, we've been watching that at the moment. We're almost finished it. Okay. And um, it's very... I mean, the books are that way, but it's very kind of Twin Peaksy and all the rest. And that's just going to be a thing moving forward. True Detective uh, is heavily influenced by Twin Peaks. Um, and it's funny how many of those shows are now it doesn't surprise me that Twin Peaks is coming back let's put it that way there's probably a better market for that show now than there was 20 years ago when it was on TV so yeah yeah, I'm sad to see it go I think it's like fair to say we are literally in the golden era of TV like television has never ever been this good and I can't see it being this good in another 10 years I think we're in like this sort of little period of time when it's the writers are just doing everything right in so many different shows yeah definitely and I mean but that it's always been that way things go um hand in hand with these things when cinema goes down the road of huge massive dumb blocks blockbuster movies yeah. constantly coming out of the cinema that's when tv takes up the reins for some more of the intellectual okay property and then what will happen is that'll run this whole superhero trend will run itself into the ground Good. when it runs itself into the ground from the ashes of that will come a lot more interest in the cinema mm. back to the big screen. And when that happens, TV will die away again because the actors that you're getting in your TV shows just now, the quality of actors, the calibre of A-class stars mm. are only doing these movies because they are not afforded to do the same on the big screen yeah. at the moment. Um, once that changes, then the landscape changes and TV will move back down into I don't think it'll lose the momentum it's got but it'll certainly start to stagnate a bit and then cinema takes over for the next decade and then it'll change again yeah. so yeah it's, uh, interesting so we've spoke about three really good movies or you know slash TV shows tonight yes probably time to, to oh god yeah I think we're gonna yeah, I think we're going to have to do this, right? So I'm up first. I, I for some reason, have pulled the short straw on this episode. Just unfortunate well played, twist of fate, mate, isn't it? Alternate. Well played, Blockley. I'm on to you. <laughs> um, yeah, like, yeah I, you planned this all out well in advance when you were like, right, how about I do the two movies this week right back at the start? Knowing full well that Duncan would have human experiments and frozen screen. Oh, my God, yeah. So we're going to take a very short break just now when we return. We're going to be talking about Frozen Scream from 1975, but before you hear us talk about that, you're going to hear Johnny Krug's promo, and then you're going to hear some educated, enlightened fellows tell you why Frozen Screams is a piece of shit, and then we will come back and reiterate that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope they do say it's a piece of shit. I've not heard the clip yet. He so. does. He does. Good. So good. <laughs> that's, that's all I need to hear. We're going to be right back after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful? thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. 
there'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruegernation.com. Frozen Scream. This is one of those movies I've no idea why this of dozens of other similar titles got on the, the video nasties list. You have to say, well, there are some scenes in which women are menaced by a killer. But hey, how many films can you think of that don't feature women being menaced by a killer? It was produced by Renee Harmon, who also played the peculiarly accented mad scientist sidekick who has a, a complicated character arc. So, uh, yeah, she obviously insisted on getting a bit of acting work. It has the same droning, dreadful music score that's in Don't Go Into the Woods. So if you watch them back to back, I imagine your head will explode from the, the musical atrocity inflicted on you. It's it's one of the... This was quite common in the, um, the, the, the early video era. The back sleeve has a complete synopsis of the film. I mean, spoilers, everything. The German version of the movie apparently has a voiceover because nobody could follow the plot. Here, you just had to read the back, back of the sleeve and you would be able to follow the plot such as it is. Frozen Stream was actually on the Video Nasties list for two whole months. And welcome back. So, first movie of the show, Frozen Scream from 1975, directed by Frank Roach. Um, the synopsis for this movie, as listed on IMDb, mad scientists turn people into frozen zombies and the zombies wreak havoc and kill people. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. Yep. That is accurate. Um, right. Should we grade it? <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> so should we grade it? <laughs> yeah, because I'm going to go out on not a, a, a shaky limb here, I think quite a sturdy limb, mm. and say that of all the movies, Andy, that we have seen doing this series of shows thus far, this one is the worst. Yeah. Um. N- not just... I need to word this right. It is the worst, not just in terms of... Because the story, in any other hand, could have been quite interesting. So it's not... But just in terms of the acting, the direction, the cinematography, the score, everything else about this movie is just woefully bad. I mean, so, so bad. I mean, we were joking earlier on about the ability to emote as an actor... Uh, or lack thereof, if you were in this movie, because I do not know what was going on in this movie. You watched this uh, quite a few days before me, and this one became the last movie I saw on the list because I started getting <clears throat> slightly worried. See, when you said, you know, this is the worst thing I've seen, and I'm like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Because we have seen things before, and we have said that, and that is a bold statement. Generally, I can find some aspect to the movie that I can cling on to, as being, well, at least it did this, but in this story, no. Mm. I could not cling on to anything at all. It is, it is such a fucking bad movie. It was such a simple premise as well, that the plot itself, like it's described in the synopsis, is, is really simple. You don't really need to do that much to it, you know, to transfer it to the screen. No. But they just, the, there's just nothing about this movie that I thought, the, the only thing I enjoyed about this movie, Andy, was the video that you and Rachel posted on the page <laughs> mocking this movie. Yeah. 
Oh god, that doctor! Her, her, that the monotone way she speaks in that Brittle. clip. Oh, and obviously, I sent you a couple more over like Facebook Messenger. It's yeah. it, it's almost like your jaw is on the floor. It's almost like you're captivated by how incredibly bad the voice acting is. Like it's insane. I mean, she, I don't know why they didn't just dub her over because there's another character in the film that is dubbed. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that either. <laughs> because it's it's an accent that I think you just need to like spin a globe and stop it with your finger with your eyes shut to try and work out where she was from. I don't know what accent it is she's meant to be doing. I don't think she knows what accent it is she's meant to be doing. But fuck, like the way they speak to each other, it is literally like they are reading it off it. It's 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 that bad, and that's not an exaggeration as to how bad it is. Like there's there's people having a conversation. I think. They're having a conversation one point about their relationship or something, and it's it's like they're fucking brain dead. It's like they've literally been lobotomized. It's I've never come across anything like it, and I don't. I mean, I've, I've watched more, 2015 will go down in history as the year I watched more shit films. Than any of the films because we've been doing these, you know, and eat, like, there's been a lot of really great films as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, you'd never you'd never choose to watch films that you thought were gonna be bad and this just takes it to the fucking next level. It is insane. I mean, this came out in nineteen seventy five. This was a golden age of, of movies, you know. This uh-huh. this is literally my favourite decade in horror. You've got Jaws, Alien, Dawn of the Dead, The Exorcist, The Omen, with these mainstream films coming out. This obviously wasn't a mainstream movie, but you know, there's there's no excuse that oh this you know, this is an old film, it was made in the seventies. Some of the best films ever made were made in the seventies. I don't know what happened here. Like they've literally just gave someone almost like gave someone a camera and just it's amateur hour in in a way that I've never seen amateur hour happen before. Like and it is pretty much amateur hour. It's seventy five minutes long, which is the only saving grace I think in this film is that you only get an hour fifteen after yeah. kind of sit through it. Um, I mean, like, they throw semi-interesting ideas at you and then never talk about it again. Like, you know, they talk about the soul being lost through being frozen and, <coughs> and they never talk about it again. So, well, tell us more about that. At least, get, you know, give us something. And then you've just got, like, weird bad guys wearing, like, the scream cloaks, haven't you? Like, the weird black thing. Like, <laughs> one of them looks like Donald Sutherland from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yep. One of them looks like a German porn star. I mean, I think one of the worst bits for me where I, I laughed out loud because I couldn't believe they were doing it was like, you know, some voice, some films work really well with voiceovers, um, you know, narrations of movies. But there's a voiceover in this that's basically whoever was on the sound mixer, the, the characters in the movie are still talking while the voiceover's happening and they don't fade them out. So you've literally got two people speaking and you just think, well, who am I supposed to be listening to? There's a vo- yeah. like, there's, the, the voiceover guy is literally over-talking the actors, and it's at the same level. So it's just like two people having a fucking argument on the screen, fighting for who you're meant to listen to, and it's so weird. I, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I've never either. I've ever seen, you know, the, the voiceover fucking, like, just clashing with the voice actors. It's crazy. And that kind of goes on quite a bit at the beginning, doesn't it? I don't know, he's, he's, he's some kind of detective. It's almost like he's like a Fletch character from the film Fletch. <laughs> over-talking. Oh, God, it's, it's mind-blowing. And I think we were saying before we started recording, like, there's meant to be zombies in this. It's like people are frozen and they, you know, after death. And there's, then they're meant to come back as zombies. And 
the the people that have been turned into zombies they kind of talk very monotone and like like the like the lights aren't quite switched on in their brain or the lights are on but nobody's home everybody talks in that way yeah but before the zombies come on screen so when the zombies come on screen and start talking like that you go well hang on a minute like they're talking in the same so actually it's the zombies aren't talking monotone they're just doing what everyone else is doing do you know what i mean like yeah. that wasn't a that wasn't a deliberate thing from the actor to tell the zombies, right, you're, you've got to talk monotone because you're zombies. Everybody fucking talks like they've been lobotomized. Ah, insane. This makes Evil Speak look like season one of True Detective. Yeah, it's, it's oh god. <laughs> like, it's, it's so fucking tame, there's not really any violence in it. The acting, to be honest, do you know what? I would recommend people watch this. To, because I don't think me and you could possibly like t say how bad the acting is. You wouldn't. You wouldn't believe how bad it is. Like I wish I. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch. I'd watch a five second. If you're out there and you're interested, watch a five minute clip anywhere in this yeah, movie. Just go onto YouTube and just skip five ten minutes and any interaction between the character. I mean, I'd, to be honest, try and watch the first twenty because that's where the voiceover happens, and that blew my mind that the voiceover guy was, was basically fighting with the, the voice of the people in the film. Yeah. Like, this is, not, this is not so bad it's good, like some of the films that we've watched. This yeah. is... It's just bad. ...fucking horrendous movie. Um, I don't know why it's on the list. I don't know how it came to the attention of the, of the censors, because Frozen Scream doesn't really evoke anything. No. Kind of... I don't think it's got another name. Uh, I don't know. It... No, I don't. I don't think so. I think the only thing I can think of is possibly someone maybe described it as being a zombie movie. Yeah. And that that's. I, I genuinely can't think of any reason at all. Um, I don't know what the original cover art looked like, so I don't know if maybe that's what brought it to their attention. All I know is is what as as it stands just now. I'm going to keep saying that and terms of the sentence from now on as it stands just now is the worst movie i've seen on this list yeah i mean we haven't seen all of them i, I know well you might and i haven't seen probably even half of what we've still got to come i'm the same there's I'm no the same. way that anything's going to be as bad as this oh andy don't say that okay <laughs> don't the, say that you've just, i thought you know i thought this was going to be the yeti film but we've got the Boogeyman sequel still to watch, which contains right. 40 minutes of the previous movie. Yeah, but that was all right, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't that terrible. So we've only got 40 minutes to gamble with, because like, the Boogeyman wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't great, but like, it was nowhere near the level of this. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like another Yeti film, Frozen Scream. Yeah. I thought it was going to be set like you know out in where it snows, and I thought that was where the Frozen bit came from. Yeah. Obviously, it's not, is it? It's just people in the morgue get frozen. That's where your frozen bit comes from. And somebody must have just told someone this was a zombie film, like you say, because Zombie Flesh Eaters is well and truly on the original list. People probably thought this was in the same vein, and they were fucking wrong. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say about this movie, Andy. Do you? No, it shouldn't have been made. That's the only reason it should be banned. It should be banned from anyone being allowed to watch it. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, so in terms of the grading, <clears throat> this is a case dismissed, and uh, yeah, it shouldn't have been on any list. Yeah, uh, absolutely, it's, this is horrendous, like, this is, oh god, insane, how bad, just watch 10 minutes and just you'll know exactly what we mean. I know there's going to be some people out there that are going to watch the whole thing, and good luck to you. 
at least it's only an hour and 15. Yeah, it's so, so bad, so, so bad. Uh, right, so let's move from a film that was so, so bad to one that I actually quite like quite a bit, actually, um, from 1981, uh, The Fun House, which is the second movie uh, Toll Pooper had on the list, if those out there remember, we've already done Eaten Alive, which had the giant crocodile, which was a Toll Pooper film, um, which may have been the one he made just before Funhouse, actually. Mm. Um, so we are going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows on the Horophilia podcast network, which we are proudly hosted on. And uh, you're going to hear people talking about Funhouse before we come back. And Andy will lead us on the charge for this movie. Yep. We're going to be right back after this. <laughs> There are many mysteries in this world, and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network. Of podcasts. Funhouse was Universal's first big budget horror movie in years. They entrusted it to the director of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, probably wasn't the wisest thing to do because it promptly ended up on the nasties list. Uh, in fact, Toby Hooper, because he was making the Funhouse, he missed out on the chance of directing E.T., which was offered to him by Steven Spielberg. So Spielberg thought, oh, well, I'll go and do that instead. No doubt his accountant, Toby Hooper's accountant, wasn't too happy about that because the film didn't do that well. There's some confusion as to why The Fun House um, ended up on the list anyway because it was released at cinemas uncut. It's from a major studio, uh, whereas most of the video nasties are very low-budget movies. Uh, I think the possibility is that um, the DPP thought, well, this is by the guy who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was advertised that way and they figured it was yet another... Texas Chainsaw type movie. But uh, the ironic thing is, of course, that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre itself was never actually on the video nasties list. <laughs> Who will dare to face the challenge of the monster? Who is mad enough to enter that world of darkness? Something is alive in the funhouse. Something not alive like its father. Something better dead. Something that has the form of a human, but not the face. This better be good. It's gonna be great. Something that feeds off the flesh and blood of young innocents. Come on, here we go. This is it. Something that tonight will turn the funhouse into a carnival of terror. Pictures, the Fun House. And welcome back to our second movie of this evening is The Fun House, directed by Toby Hooper, made in 1981. Uh, pretty good movie, this. Definitely inspired yep. House of a Thousand Corpses, I think. Oh, yes. Um, two teens, two teen couples basically decide to spend the night at a carnival, I think just for fun, uh, end up witnessing a murder 
by a weird kind of deformed guy who works at the place um, dressed in a Frankenstein mask, which is pretty creepy, before he's even taken the mask off. Um, and then once they take <laughs> the mask off, you get Rick Baker's incredible special effects underneath. Mm -hmm. um, douchebag characters, unfortunately, um, like we've always said, much easier to write douchebags than it is to write likable people. Um, like they are just knobheads and they're both of these guys um, they are basically just uh, trying to shag these two girls and decide to take them to the carnival while they're at the carnival kind of hiding they see the weird sort of deformed guy in the Frankenstein mask th pay a hundred dollars to have a go on sort of the psychic granny that works there which is fucking weird mate a hundred dollars really <laughs> and 80s money as well that's like that's a lot of money even his dad goes, are you mental? A hundred dollars for that. <laughs> he went, I could have got you one of the striptease girls for 50. And I thought, I doubt it, mate. Come on. They were quite attractive. Fifteen dollars. I mean, when you see him, you see why he's paying for the sex. Um, and it's weird as well. Like, the film opens with this like young girl having a shower scene that seemed really fucking young. It made me feel uncomfortable. I thought, how old is she? Yeah, yeah. Getting her tits out. Fucking hell. Like, she only looks about... 15, 16. I think she is older. Um, and basically, her little brother like storms in on her in the shower and just depends, pretends to murder her for a joke. Um, and then I think like later on, he kind of thinks that she's playing a joke on him well, by sort of disappearing off into this carnival. So that's quite good as well. We get like the little sort of adventure story of the young kid trying to almost solve the mystery, um, which is pretty cool. Um, the setting's great in this, a fun fair. I mean, it's more like a carnival. You don't really get carnivals in the UK. Um, I don't know if you do in Scotland, but we, we get, like, fairs that sort of pop up. Yeah, we're, we're the same. To, to be honest, they, they tend to be the same ones that come to the same areas at the same time of year. Every year, yeah. yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, I don't fucking trust these things. Like, the, when you see the rides, they're pretty big. Some of them are quite sort of big, almost like roller coaster type rides, and they've just sort of knocked them up the night before. Yeah. And I think, eh. and like when you see like the structure that they use, they're normally just like big like blocks of wood. And I think, oh, <laughs> like really? <laughs> that entire structure is just been like precariously sort of placed on little blocks of wood around. No, so I don't really go to them anyway because um, they usually just like full of young kids what we call chavs in the UK um, and they're normally just full of little drunk annoying teenagers causing trouble so we kind of stay away from them. but the carnival is sort of harks back to that thing of you know you've got weird attractions I mean in this they've got like weird deformed farm animals which is really cruel you know they're just kind of standing there being like you know pointed at and laughed at like I think they're genuine as well you know, just like cows that have been uh, like born with deformities, like yeah. the second head growing on the side and stuff. So you've got that. And then, the, I mean, it, to be honest, the closest thing it really comes to is like um, the American Horror Story, isn't it? Season four. It's that kind of the carnival. Yeah. You know, they're weird. It's like a weird traveling thing. And for me, like the scariest thing about the carnival is a bit like, you know, have you seen the film Snatch? I have indeed, yeah. Yeah. Great film. Um, I don't know if it's as popular in America, but it's um, a really good sort of gangster film about like Ben. Like Brad Pitt plays the Ben Hooker fighting boxer, and the terrifying thing about these people is that what they'll do is, you know, if, if somebody pisses them off, they'll just fucking shoot them, bury them, and the next morning they're gone, and there's like there's no trace of them. And I think the same kind of thing sort of can happen with the carnival. You know, something yeah. horrendous can go down at this carnival. Police turn up the next morning, 
and all that's left is just the land where the carnival was and they're gone and yeah. and that's adds to like the really sort of creepiness you know anything can really happen and, and you're in you know you're in trouble and they're kind of stuck in this uh, place sort of overnight after witnessing this murder and then they get found out so you know the fact that they've witnessed it is known by the carnival like the people that run the carnival and then they're just kind of fighting for their lives so it's really good I think it's it's a really decent little plot and um, there's some really good genuine tension in there um, and it's quite refreshing because there were so many uh, you know like just run-of-the-mill slashes happening around in the 80s this is something quite different because when the film starts you think that's where it's going to be and then it does something quite different to to everything else. Um, it's really similar to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think in Toby Hooper is a bit of a one-trick pony. He just kind of did the Texas Chainsaw, and then he just stole the best like weird bits from that film and just kept regurgitating it into other films. Um, I mean, to be fair, it, it is this is based on a Dean Koontz novel, isn't it? So the loose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to say that's a bad thing, because the bits that he kind of picks from Eating Alive and, and from this, they are the good aspects, you know, the, the creepy aspects. But I just think, come on, Toby, like, where, what happened to him? He just kind of disappeared into... Did he, did, did he do, like, Poltergeist? Um, yeah, the, this is always this like bone of contention, isn't it? That's yeah. Spielberg. I think is real. I think yeah. I think it was Spielberg that. I think Spielberg basically had final say on everything on that movie. Yeah. So whereas uh, Topper may have went out his way to you know obviously direct certain sequences. I think Spielberg had certain things reshot. That's certainly the, the the industry rumor, which has never been clarified. Neither one of them will make a comment on it. No, um, but I mean, Hooper. I mean, Hooper has done things out with that. I mean, Life Force is a great example. That's like a sexy, good sexy naked alien vampires yeah, from that's space. Um, but he, he's such a wildly inconsistent director that I mean, I've got a bit of time for the Mangler. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think the issue with them, the issue that's, and I mean, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I can love that movie. It's goofy in a way which makes me smile. But there are whole like movies that the guy did do which I don't like at all. That mm. I just think are essentially that idea of just you know doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and this movie certainly plays into those kind of, so we don't necessarily have rednecks or hillbillies in this movie, but carnies are not that far removed from that. Yeah, I mean, the main reason I compare it to Texas Chainsaw is because there's like a deformed sort of killer who's terrified, yeah. you know, he's like genuinely terrifying, but at the end of the day, he's terrified of his father. He's just like a child in his brain. And it's that's the, that's the part of Texas Chainsaw that he's stolen for this movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think this movie, uh, I remember seeing it... I'm trying to think. I saw it a while ago anyway, and I didn't actually know the name of the movie. I could just remember scenes from it, and it wasn't until uh, I started collecting Arrow Blu-rays, and this was one of the first ones I bought okay. many moons ago. And um, sitting down, and that, that way that you get where... There's this wave of realisation that you start to remember particular scenes. You're like, oh, is this the movie? Right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, like you were saying, some of the characters are 
fact, most of the characters are not likeable in any way. Um, the shower scene at the beginning is a wee bit strange and uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and yeah, I love the fact that you do get this idea that it's almost like a play on either Psycho or Halloween at the start where you think you know what you're getting. I love the fact that the movie then takes this huge twist away from that. So there's a sizable chunk of about 40 minutes where we're just following these couples round a carnival um, with no killing or anything like that. You know, it pulls right back. But like the last 10, 15 minutes is really like an intense roller coaster ride of these teens being stalked and ultimately killed by this deformed killer. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think there's um, it's very difficult, especially by eighty one. It's very difficult not to just want to shoot your load all you know the way right through this movie and just have all these massive elaborate deaths. Yeah, it's quite restrained, and I appreciate you know I appreciate it for that as well. Yeah, which is strange once again when you're talking about restrained and Toe Pooper because the guy. Made a career about, about being a, a you know one of the more mean spirited directors in the in the genre or of the masters of horror. He's probably the most mean spirited out of the whole lot. Mm. Um, so I love the fact that it kind of reserves back on that, and you just get to take in the kind of atmosphere of a really creepy carnival. There's not one point in the, this carnival that it feels to me like a place I would want to go or find romantic to take a date. I mean, it's horrible, isn't it? Like I said earlier, you've got like, like the deformed animals that people are just kind of laughing at, and then you've got like this weird striptease thing that's just... But there's a guy pissing against a tent as well. This old guy with the turn in the corner is like... Arr, arr, arr. Yeah, it's just, a her- it's just horrendous. Like, there's one point where the, the, character, like, the female character's friend says, hey, if you play your cards right, he'll have sex with you tonight. I thought, if yeah. she plays her cards right... He's not exactly Cary Grant, is he? Like, fucking oh, they love him as well. Everyone keeps talking about how great this guy is. And I'm like, really? He seems like a bit of a dick. And I love how they're, they're talking about, you know, you'll have sex with all the rest in the fucking most revolting-looking bathroom ever. Anyway. And then the creepy lady comes in who just starts talking to herself. Um, I mean, God is watching you. Yeah, I, I, I like the. I actually do really like you talking about Rick Baker. Um, the creature effects are fucking amazing in yeah. this, uh, for the time especially. I think when it gets going, it is really quite tense. And yeah, it's difficult to say that, you know, this movie isn't an influence on uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. It, it must be. It must be. Um, I know Zombie's a big fan of Hooper's work anyway. Yeah. Uh, that well, they've got the um, Dr. Terry, like the, the fun house thing that they all go in. Yeah. You've got the, like the big sort of Frankenstein-esque character pushing them around. Yep. It's so fucking similar, isn't it, to that? Yeah. And, you know, just this deformed kind of child that they use to, you know, to push them around this uh, this funfair ride. Yeah, it's, it's really similar. But it's great because that setting works because it's creepy as fuck. You oh, don't God, really yeah. know what's real and what's fake and... Obviously, you've got the the guy in the Frankenstein mask who looks weird as it is, and then he takes it off, and what's underneath is like horrendous. Yeah. And Rick Baker is fucking awesome. Yeah, the special yeah, effects he did—that's just such a lost art, isn't it? Like, take that, like taking the time to craft, you know, these sort of like elaborate creations. I mean, he did um, American Werewolf in London, didn't he? Which is obviously the pinnacle. Yeah, and um, for me, like, like everyone talks about the transformation scene being amazing in that. But the scene, his dead friend who keeps visiting him in various, you know, varying levels of decay. Yeah. That's incredible. It's incredible. And I that's watched um, 
for the second time since uh, since you sent it to me, the incredible melting man. Oh yeah, I love that fucking film. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, surprisingly, oh. it grows on you the more you watch it as well. Yeah, it's just brilliant. I mean, the effects are like gooey as anything. It's just a guy who's basically melting for anyone that hasn't seen it. You know, then it is. You get exactly what you think it's going to be. You know, it does what it says on the tin. It's called the Incredible Melting Man, and we just spend an hour and a half following this guy around who is literally just melting and murdering people in like pretty gruesome ways as well. You know, like there's one guy who just um, knocks his head off and it gets thrown off a waterfall and just like the head cracks open and the brain comes out. It's yeah. brilliant. So yeah, if anyone's not seen that and you think it's probably going to be shit. It's actually a really enjoyable film, and it's worth it just for the special effects alone. Um, yeah, and it's great the creature in this because it gets it gets revealed relatively early as well. The creature and yep. it's obviously just a mask, but so much care and attention has gone into creating this mask. You totally believe <coughs> that you're watching like a weird deformed albino creature with vampire teeth. It's fucking great. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's I think it's a really good movie, and it is. Unfortunately, does not deserve to be on a show with these these other movies side by side. Um, but uh, that's how it's landed. Uh, Andy, what's your what's your grade for the Funhouse? Uh, I don't think it'd be fair to dismiss it because it is you know it's it's not like there is some like pretty cool stuff in there. I mean, there's nothing particularly graphic uh-huh. in there. Um, but you know, some of the subject matter, I think it's it's believable. Like you say, it shouldn't really be on the list with a lot of these shitty films. It is just a genuinely creepy film. I give it a slap on the wrist just because I don't think it deserves anything less than that. Because there are some genuinely creepy moments to be had in it. Yeah, I've come in with the same grade slap on the wrist for me. Yeah, and uh, did it? Oh, I don't even need to ask you, but I'm going to anyway. Did it deserve to be on the original list? No, and I'll tell you what. I was watching the um, obviously I was preparing the clip. Um, for the show that you've already, that the listeners will have already heard, and the guy basically says that this is because it's Toe Hooper. That's the reason this was on the list. Um, you know, they didn't kind of get him for Texas Chainsaw, did they? That didn't make the list. Um, Texas, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned under a different list. Yeah, so because that was like Toe Hooper, anything else he did was automatically, you know, pulled in to be on the list. Same with Eaten Alive. You know, they brought it in, they watched it, and they went, no, we can't prosecute that. Oh, he's done another one, what is it? The fun, the fun house, all right, get that one in, and they, and they can't prosecute this either. And it is just because it's Toe Hooper, because there's nothing in the name that would suggest this is a video nasty. I don't think there's anything on the front cover particularly. No. And there's nothing in the content either. So now it shouldn't have been on the list, and it shouldn't have even really been considered on the list it's on. You know, it shouldn't have, you know, it well and truly shouldn't have been prosecuted, but it is... It's purely down to the Toe Hooper name being attached to it as to why it was even considered. Um, but still a good film. I'd check it out. If you if you watch a lot of 80s slasher films and you're kind of fed up with the same run-of-the-mill plot, this is something a little bit different, so it's worth a watch. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Right, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear another promo for one of the shows on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. You are then going to hear some people talk about our final movie, um, which is Human Experiments from 1979. I'm going to kick us off with that review right after this. 
Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's evil episodes, of course. That's right, so set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be, but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a proud member of the Theme Podcasting Network. Well, there's not actually much to say about human experiments. It got on the list. I would suspect because it was hauled in with the uh, the big net that was set out to trap SS experiment camp and it had experiment on the on the label actually it's a women in prison picture with a kind of very minor mad science subplot it's not particularly terrible it's not particularly great either the trailer has that great line you know somebody is watching human experiments in fact not many people were it notionally had a theatrical release it it was around as a title for a while in the early days of video. If it hadn't been on the video nasties list, I doubt if anybody would ever remember it now. This is Rachel Foster. Dazzling. Defiant. Sheriff, he's trying to cheat me. Destined to be free. But somewhere up ahead. Someone was waiting. Hello? Anybody home? Summer and Edwin Brown present the Gregory Goodell film Human Experiments. And welcome back. So this is the final movie review of this episode number 18 of Doing the Nasty. We are talking about Human Experiments from 1979. Um, This one's quite an interesting one because this is the only interesting thing I'm going to talk about this movie actually. Uh, This is quite an interesting one in that this one has not seen a DVD or Blu-ray release at all. I don't think there are any intentions to release it on DVD or Blu-ray. Never mind. Which, yeah, pretty much, which is, you know, so there you go. And it's not because the content is that graphic either. Um, so this one uh, was directed and written by Gregory Goodall. And the synopsis is, as listed on IMDb, a demented prison doctor performs gruesome shock therapy experiments on inmates, which is... Maybe making it sound a bit more thrilling than it actually is. Um, so basically, what it doesn't really talk about uh, is the fact that we have uh, this musician, this travelling 
a musician, female travelling musician who is she's not very good. I think we we were speaking about this off here. We we <laughs> joked that yeah, she travels from town to town. She never goes to the same town twice. <laughs> oh, so farther back. She's really, really, really bad, and she unfortunately stumbles across um, a murder incident, and uh, she steps up to defend herself, Andy, yeah. like you would, uh, and maybe, maybe uh, defends herself a bit too vigorously, yeah, and as such gets arrested and convicted for murder, and she ends up getting put in a prison. And it just so happens that the prison doctor uh, has a screw loose. He's a bit, he's a bit of a, bit of a sadist. Yeah. And then basically starts to focus in on her as an experiment uh, for things that he can do in terms of psychological torture. Yeah. Um, this movie for for people over in the UK. We have a channel over here called Channel 5, and Channel 5 is not a very good channel. And um, usually about lunchtime, mid-afternoon, um, they will play kind of these uh, Lifetime movies, as I think is what they call them in America. Yeah. Um, you could show this tomorrow as a Lifetime movie. Um and no one would bat an eye. Honestly, it. yeah, you could. You'd probably need to remove about fifteen seconds yeah. nudity. Once you've taken that out, that could this could be on daytime TV, no problem. It's there's nothing in this movie at all, which makes me think. Like when I think about some of the other titles that we've had, there's no exploitation in this. No. Nope. Uh, there's no horror in this. There's no graphic violence in this. There's no bloodshed really at all. Um, there's no rape. There's you know the list goes on and on and on of things that have been in previous movies that have you know that we've been sitting there going well maybe this is why it got put on the list. To me, it's obvious why this got put on the list. It's the name. Yeah, it's, Human been, experiments. it's been bungled in with all the other exploitation, women in prison style films, hasn't it? It's, it's just been caught in the net. Yeah, and this one doesn't have anything in it at all to merit consideration. The acting is actually of not a bad calibre. It's not great, but it, it makes, you know, this, this is Oscar style acting in comparison to Frozen Screams. Yeah. Um, just the story just feels a bit twee. It just feels a bit too, like I say, lifetime. I think that's what I kept thinking about when I watched this movie. Uh, and I, at first I was actually expecting this one to be semi-horrific because the fact that it's not out on DVD or Blu-ray, I'm starting to think, what is it about this movie that, yeah, you know, that people horrendous. have? It is yeah, horrendous, people... in just in a different way. Yeah, it's just horrendously mundane. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I, I really don't have... This was the one that I had the least to talk about because even the acting is is of a semi-decent calibre. It's not pish. So it's not... I can't lump it in with Frozen Scream, which you could mock for. It's just a really boring, basic movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously the plot is that she, you know, gets blamed for these murders because she, she goes into a house where, the, where I think the kid has murdered all his family. Yeah. He goes to shoot her, so she shoots him, and then she gets blamed for all the murders and put in this prison. The prison is then trying to do this weird experimentation, experimentation sort of like aversion therapy where the doctor sort of 
breaks people down, reverts them back to children, so she can then rebuild them as a, like, a properly functioning member of society who's not a criminal. Which, ah, which is weird because like, the whole point of this, of what she's doing, the whole point of the human experiment is to break down our character and rebuild her as, yeah. as, a, you know, as someone who isn't a murderer, which she wasn't to begin with. So it's not an experiment because the person that you're trying to revert to to be to, to good behaviour, apart from her horrendous singing, was not didn't have bad behaviour to begin with. So it doesn't really make any sense that she's doing experiments on her. Do you know what I mean? And the singing at the beginning is fucking horrendous. You've heard it in the trailer. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Do you know what? Right to make this film more interesting for myself because of how bored I was, I rewrote the plot in my own head. And my new plot is horrendous singer framed for murder is experimented on in a last-ditch effort to save her singing career. Yeah. She undergoes radical and pioneering aversion therapy to try and shock her vocal cords out of entropy. <laughs> Fails. She still can't sing. The end. Because the film finishes with her singing again. Just as terribly... as like, I don't know what... Is the ending supposed to be some kind of weird twist or something? I got, got confused by the ending. I don't know what it was they were trying to go for. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The, the thing that kind of... The thing that threw me for a loop is John Travolta's sisters in it. Yeah, she is, yeah. And I kind of thought, well, at least one of the Travoltas went on to do something fairly... Because <laughs> this I, one... I, I don't know. Because yeah. the thing is, right, it's almost like in Clockwork Orange, what's so interesting about that is is that they do all this um, therapy on him Yes. that starts to work. But then there's obviously the thing at the end where, you know, has it worked and is he just going to revert back to being this psychopath? And obviously that that's the whole thing about this is because she was wrongly imprisoned, everything that they're doing to her is pointless. Like, there can yeah. be no twist as to, you know, if she then turned out to be a murderer at the end, which I suppose she kind of does because that bloke sort of brainwashes her into it, doesn't he? Brainwashes yeah. her into killing the person. So I suppose there is that kind of... I think that's like the attempt at a twist is that she wasn't a killer and by the time she comes out of prison they've kind of turned her a bit mental. But then she's just singing again at the end. So I don't... You know, it's like... It's just... It's so jumbled. You know? Yeah. I, d I don't get it. Like I say, the... It's difficult to... It's difficult to talk about this movie with any sort of enthusiasm. The cast is actually decent. Mm. I mean, you've even got Jeffrey Lewis in this movie. Yeah, you have, yeah. Which, which you know, he plays the the the, the psychotic doctor. Yeah. Um, you've got like a, you've got a semi decent cast. It just kind of feels like there's a weird tonality to the movie where it doesn't quite know what his market is. Yeah. So it kind of hinges somewhere between them and the name doesn't help it at all like the, that name is put there purely to attract um the attention of like fans of horror and exploitation yeah you know to try and like maybe lull them into a false sense of security and rent this movie because uh, you know this movie could have been you know called something like wrongly imprisoned or you know it's, you're something like that yeah because like you say it could have been a lifetime because the, the one of the worst bits is someone getting hanged yeah so if you took that out that's about five seconds then there's like an implied um, examination scene where basically she's you know they're, they're examining the females looking between their legs I'm assuming maybe with, you know a bit invasive as well but that's only ever implied 
yeah. basically says, look, you can either do this the easy way or the hard way. I'm going to look at, I'm going to have a good look at you, whether you like it or not. And then it cuts to the next scene. And that kind of thing is tame enough to be on daytime TV because it's just, it's, it's implied. There's nothing that you ever really see. There's a brief masturbation scene that lasts about 10 seconds before she gets interrupted. And there's really brief nudity, and it probably totals about 20 seconds. So, yeah, there's probably less than 30 seconds you could get rid of. And this is just, like you say, because the acting isn't that bad, and the the actors and actresses aren't that bad either, and the plot is just, it's all right. It's just just average. It's just the kind of thing you would see on a a shitty TV, you know, made-for-TV movie. Woman wrongly imprisoned, you know, has to then endure being in prison and, you know the, the horrors that go with it, and that's kind of it. Um, the, it's one of these things where the best thing that happened to this movie was being on the list because nobody would watch it if it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But I, there's I, so I, many films. There's probably ten different films that we've talked about where that is the case. You know, yeah. the best publicity they could have hoped for is to get on this list. And um, yeah, the fact that it's never made a way to a DVD or a Blu-ray. Um, or the the lack of desire to do so pretty much speaks to the 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 kind of mundane nature of the movie. There's yeah. nothing you could do other than say it was on the original seventy two, you know, video nasty list. There's nothing you can really do here to 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 market this movie. I think in any way, which you, I mean, I couldn't see uh, eighty eight films or Arrow or Scream Factory or Vinegar Syndrome or Synapse or that spending money transferring this movie because it would just never get it back there's no point I mean I think the only reason it might have some success is because it hasn't got any kind of release people might buy it to watch it for the first time not realising it's just on YouTube yeah you know if somebody did a big big, uh, you know oh this is the first time this film's ever been released people will buy it based on that and then they'll be massively disappointed and then I think word would soon get out you know, because a lot of these things, it goes on word of mouth, doesn't it? These these movies get released and everyone starts, oh, God, they've done a really good release of that. It's great special feature. And it's not a bad little movie, you know. It's, and people start to talk on, especially with Facebook and things. But, you know, it wouldn't take long at all for word to get around. Do not fucking piss your money away on this. So, you know, this has never been released. And it's just because it's fucking too terrible. It's not because it's notorious. It's just... Who would want to own this? There is literally no reason you'd want this in your collection, except if you're, and then you know, an utter completist, which some people are. Some yeah. people literally just want to own all seventy-two movies, and if that's the case, obviously you've got to have it, haven't you? But other than that, fucking avoid, avoid. This is bad. <laughs> yes, right. Um, uh, this uh, gets dismissed for me. Um, rather strongly dismissed and uh, yeah it didn't deserve to be on any lists um are you going to disagree with me Andy of course not now I mean the thing is like this you know we've seen a lot of women in prison slash sort of Nazi exploitation movies and even they're not that bad I think that's the thing you know this is nowhere near as bad as the other types of you know the other films of that type that we've watched and even they're relatively tame yeah. So for something to come absolutely nowhere near, even the tame stuff that we've watched, yeah, just get rid of it. Off the list. You know, case dismissed. No more to say, really, about this. Yeah. Um, shame way. on them for you calling it human experiments because that was very deliberate and they called it that to, to you know, it's, it's quite an evocative, you know, it's provocative, that title. That makes you think, oh, God, human experiments, oh, gee, that's horrendous. You know, that makes you think of... Uh, 
you know, in the forties, the Nazis are like doing experiments on people, doesn't it? You know, like they're horrendous when they were like doing vivisection and you know, getting two twins and do, murdering one twin and seeing how the other one reacted. It's that kind of shit, and that's the kind of thing you think of when you think human experiments. So fucking shame on them for using a really provocative title and then just not following through at all. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Right, Andy, we're going to take our last break here. When we return, we're going to be closing out the show right after this. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananoazer Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We can talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Wazer is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. no. <laughs> Banana Laser wins every time. And welcome back. Okay, so thank you for bearing with us on these movies. Um, hopefully one good recommendation for you tonight. If you've not checked out Funhouse before, definitely give that a watch. Um, you can pick it up for about £6 on Blu-ray, and it's the Arrow Special Edition as well, so it's worth a look. The other two, uh, it's going to be Andy Clark, and he's going to be watching this. He's be Andy watching Clark, both. yeah. Sorry, Andy. I, the thing is, you're just putting yourself through unnecessary torment now. Yeah. We've told you, we'll watch them on your behalf. You don't need to do it, but you're going to do it. Yeah, anyway, but so. Duncan, it's this thing, isn't it? You know, you... you He's, he's started now, and we're so close to the end. Like he can't not watch it. He might think just, he might think this whole episode was just a joke on him to try and not to see if we can force him into not watching stuff. Let us know, Andy, on the Facebook page if you're still hanging in there and watching these films, and let us know what you think of these. Uh, you know the, the two bookends for tonight because we'd be interested to see if if you're getting as fed up with these ones as we are. But there is light at the end of the tunnel because we've got Inferno. Argento is back oh, next week. Yes. Yes. Oh. Now, me and Duncan keep sort of joking back and forth about this because I don't like Suspiria. I've never liked Suspiria, and I've really tried to like Suspiria. I've watched it about four times. I managed to get through it only once. Um, I really don't like it. Apparently, Inferno. Now, you say it's worse, as in, if I don't like Suspiria, there's no way I'll. Yeah, the, the reasons you've told me you don't like Suspiria are amplified in Inferno. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say that. I know you do, yeah. you. I know, I know you don't mean it. I think it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah, exactly. I think it is... I think the way I describe it to people is that it is the most accurate portrayal of what a nightmare feels like on TV. 
like physically watched on TV and that it's completely non-linear things jump all over the place and there's a woozy ethereal feeling when you watch it which I don't think I've seen another movie that recreates that the way Inferno does but I know for a fact from your criticisms of uh, Suspiria that Inferno is going to infuriate bore and possibly annoy you to a level that when we come back in two weeks time I get the feeling that I'm going to be talking about how much I love this movie and you're just going to be calling me a fool if it does and I hate it I'm going to give it away for free to one of our listeners <laughs> so oh. there you know and I will because I'm, I'm you know I I am a collector. I'm a massive collector of stuff, but I won't keep something if I'm never going to watch it again. I'll just get rid of it. So if I don't like it, I'll give it away. And if I do like it, you'll be really pleased, won't you? Oh, if you like it, I'll be over the moon. I will be absolutely over the moon. Uh, and, and what I will do is I will try and arrange some sort of shared viewing of uh, Suspiria so I can point out all the bits that you're wrong at. <laughs> okay then, deal. That sounds like a great idea. That's a deal. Uh, <laughs> um, the other two films that we've got now, obviously we talked about Human Experiments being a deliberately provocative title. Um, yes. It, we've got the complete opposite end of the spectrum here. With the first film that we wa- we'd watch next week, uh, well, for in a fortnight, I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to... I did a bit of reading into this one, and I'm actually really looking forward to checking this movie out. Does it sound all right? Because obviously I'm just going on the title that just sounds like, you know, again, something that's not doesn't sound like it should be on a band list. But what's it about then? Cause I'm, uh, yeah, so, so it's, um, it's, not, it's, it's more a kind of murder mystery, um, but it's actually based on um, a murder case from Canada. Um, of a guy called Peter Demeter. Okay. Um, and his was I was I, when I checked it during the week because I, I was trying to see ahead of time how much I was going to hate these movies. <laughs> um, yeah. He is responsible for what is considered the most expensive legal case um, in Canadian history. Okay. Uh, as he set up uh, and arranged to have his wife murdered, so he was a real estate agent. Uh, and made big, big news over there. So I'm kind of hoping, kind of hoping it's actually fairly well done. It doesn't have to be a gory or over-the-top movie or anything. A really good crime drama would work quite well for me. Yeah, great. Um, so yeah, so we have that one. And the other movie is a movie that I have seen several times and I can't fucking wait to watch it again. I've not watched it in years, but it's Killer Nun from 1978. Sounds epic. I've never seen it. It's our first non-sploitation movie. Oh yeah, here we go. Oh yeah, I love a bit of non-sploitation. So, and this is one of the early ones that did it, and it's an Italian movie as well. So, um, really looking forward, really looking forward to checking that one out. So, we have the potential, Andy, for three good movies. Oh, I hope. So. Assuming that you like Inferno. I really hope so. Even if I don't like Inferno, I'm sure we're gonna have a really interesting conversation. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited then for the next one because tonight has been tedious because I'd seen the fun house before, so it's not you know I knew I knew that was gonna be alright. But the other two, Ugh. we have hit a new low. This we really have, and you know I don't want to jinx. Well, I already have jinxed it. I jinxed it earlier, saying it can't get any worse, and it probably can't. But wow. They, that we have kind of the bottom of the barrel is well and truly scraped after tonight. Yeah, like, the only way is up. To be honest, it can't. Get that, any, you know, the, it's got to be better next week. It's got to be. I like your attitude, sir. I like your attitude, and I will hope 
fingers crossed that it ends up that way as well. And uh, people will have to join us in two weeks' time. Join us. <laughs> join us. Uh, to see uh, if we loved those movies or if we have been handed another steaming pile of shit. Yeah. Celluloid shit. Um so it's worth reminding people out there that we both have other shows uh, and you can check them out. You can check out my show Podcast Under the Stairs over at his website, podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com. Um, it's on iTunes. It's also a member of the Legion Podcast Network. Andy's back catalogue of shows for Big Horror and Little Podcast are also available exclusively on Legion Podcast Network where you can check out his work with his wife. Um, there are a good few shows on there. He's going to be coming back once his bathroom is done. Um, bathroom, bathroom is done. So yeah, we are um, we are coming up with ideas for for our next show. Hopefully, in the awesome. next couple of weeks. Just talking about your show. Finally, uh-huh. got to the bottom of why Duncan can't stop buying Blu-rays. <laughs> why? Because <laughs> you like you you have a movie that you dream about certain scenes. Oh yeah, and when you buy the film, the dream stops, and yeah. you no longer suffer with nightmares. So that is why you've got thousands. <laughs> yeah, that used to be. That used to be. I've not had one in a while, but that used to be. Uh, like, because we just cel- we just celebrated our two year anniversary yeah. over on the podcast under the stairs, and um, as as is customary on that show, we can open it up to listener questions, and there was quite a lot of listener questions coming in. And me and the Baz. We're chatting about things, and that used to be, I like especially. I mean, I've got like kind of chronic insomnia; it kind of comes and goes. Um, but when I when it's really bad, my dreams tend to be quite vivid. Yeah, just because my brain's fucked, and um, that used to be a really common thing that I used to go through, which was this this idea of whenever I dream, we had dreams, it would be of particular sequences within a movie and it would re- recur like every night for basically up until the point that I bought the movie and then I wouldn't dream about it anymore. So it was almost like my subconscious was coming back to tell me, we have realised that you do not own this movie. You need to own this movie. <laughs> you must have it. You must and have it. I think it's, I've, I've done it a couple of times and it's movies I don't like. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, I end up buying them. I don't have the dream anymore, and I'm like, that. Why was my subconscious telling me that I needed to own this movie? Because you're I a collector and a consumer. Possibly, Latics. possibly. Yeah, I think that might be it. But yeah, so that show went up. It's it's a fairly long show. There are tons of listener voicemails. Um, Andy and his lovely wife Rachel contributed one of my favourites. I thought that was very, very funny. As you psychoanalyzed and dissected certain phrases <laughs> that I use on the show and then tried to give them a just... I love the fact that you were talking about like like over-the-top Scottish cinema you go through and your last example was Mary Poppins. Yeah. That made me laugh very hard. It was fucking brilliant. Do you know what? I could only think of Fortnite because Bo always talks about it in that. And I thought... I was properly racking my brains for like at least two of the things that you regularly say. That's obviously like something from your neck of the woods. Yeah. And I had one. I said, right. He always says he has a lot of fun with this movie. I, I said to Rachel, I said, I need at least three because it sounds weird if I pluck two out. It doesn't sound convincing. I need three. And I was racking my brains for ages. And I thought, oh, now I'm going to make him really self-conscious about You have now, actually. I was starting to think, how many times have I used the term wheelhouse? You know what? It's probably like three movie. or four times. <laughs> but it just goes in because it's, like, it's just something I don't say and I don't hear other people saying, so I remember stuff like that. Yeah, don't get self-conscious. It's, it's, I won't, I won't it, be able to help it. It's not that often that you say it. 
I'm going to be like, I had a lot of, I had a good time with this movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, it was a great show actually. That really passed a good three hours at work. It was well worth a listen to. And um, I've just gone. I'm on, obviously fully cut up now on Busby Horror. Oh. Just can't wait to see what he makes. And I almost I'm a afraid to listen to be honest as to what he made of the remake because I know he enjoyed the Friday the 13th remake and I kind of understand why because he hasn't got the nostalgia of the originals but uh, I'm very interested to see if he likes the remake of Nightmare just why um, when yeah. uh, that'll be out probably won't it by the time this one's dropped or is uh, it no it comes out it's just over a week it'll be dropping yeah. the last part's been recorded but we're holding it off because uh, the next series of shows with the bars start off the beginning of October, or like October first, so I want it. I want it to land about the middle of September. That's Yeah, oh, that's going to be brutal as fuck. I'm, I'm not not even not even lying. He is gonna he's gonna feel quite ill uh, for a month, and I can't fucking wait. Well, it's can't weird because you've wait. got like a couple of my favourite um, films on there. Yeah. Um, Requiem for a Dream, as disturbing as it is, I really enjoy that film. There's just something really gritty and, for me, really realistic about that film um, in the way they portray sort of, you know, being in a bit of a weirdy drug, sort of, especially with the mum. Yeah. Um, I think it's just great. I think it's really well portrayed and just a really interesting film. So, well, you know, as disturbing as it is, I'm keen to see what Baz has got to say because I know a lot of people, it really makes them feel uncomfortable. For me, I really fucking enjoy it. I mean, there is some bits, especially the ending that's pretty gross, but I think it's a fantastic film. The only oh, one yeah. that I'm probably not going to watch again, and I'm obviously I'm <laughs> incredibly interested to hear what Baz has got to say. I know you're, you're going to know what it is. It's irreversible. Yeah. I watched that once. Uh, I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I probably will never watch that film again. And there's a lot of films that I've said I'll never watch again. And then I watch them, um, and I own a few of them. You know, Cannibal Holocaust, as grim as that is, I think is an incredible piece of cinema. Irreversible for me. That rape scene is just a bit too fucking grim. Yeah, as as brutal as the the. I, I mean, we've we've watched our fair share of these sort of right. we watched I Spit in Your Grave and all the rest and it's close Trump's it. yeah. I, do you know I'd watch Irreversible again and skip the rape scene because it's not a bad it's not a bad film yeah the rest of the film is excellent um, but that's just so graphic it, it's just so graphic and so Prolong. how I would perceive realistic that I think it's just it gets to that point where you're you're as a viewer you're kind of kind of the same way like movies like Funny Games basically toy with this idea of you being the audience watching someone be tortured, making you think about what that says about yourself. Yeah, and tell you what, it's weird as well. Like you perceive stuff to be realistic because no, neither of us have ever watched anyone get raped. But yeah. when you watch stuff like that, that it seems so real. It's like I've never been an amphetamine addict, but when I watch Requiem for a Dream. That's so fucking realistic to me. The way yeah. you know her her reaction and, and the way every little noise freaks her out, and she's grinding her teeth, and just the, you know the weight loss and everything. It's it's so you know, and you don't have to have specifically lived something for something to affect you in a realistic way. You can you just know that that is you just know and with with irreversible. Oh god, it's it's absolutely fucking brutal. And there's a scene, isn't there, where a guy walks on. Uh-huh. And do you know that's a crew member? I did not know that. And no. he walked on by mistake. 
Well, that adds to that scene. Right? Yeah. That's what adds to the horror of that scene. I can see why they kept it. So the worst thing about that for me, it's obviously the rape is horrendous, but a member of the public who, as it happens, was a crew member that walked on by mistake and they, they decided to keep it in because of how chilling it was, because his reaction is... And it's weird because, obviously, knowing that he's a crew member walking on, his reaction is, oh, fuck, I'm not supposed to be here. And he turns around and walks away. But because it looks like it's meant to be in the film... What it looks like is a member of the public walks on, sees someone being horrendously fucking raped at the arse, and then just goes, I'm not getting involved in this. Yeah. And just walks off and, oh, God, absolutely fucking brutal. And, and you get that sort of midway between about a 20-minute rape scene and then it carries yeah. on and then he beats the fuck out of her. And, yeah. Wow. It's, so, it's uh, such, a, such an uncomfortable viewing experience. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's, he's brought on himself. He has been... Too fucking, cocky. Yeah, far too cocksure of himself pretty much all this year and that there's been nothing put forward to him which has challenged him as a viewer. And I can, and that's because we've been doing a lot of franchise horror and a lot of these franchises originated in the 80s that this is what he gets. Every now and again you need to remind him. Um, and that whole series of shows, those first run uh, movies, the whole series is designed to basically fuck with him and stay with him after he's watched it. Yeah. That's why we've got I Spit in Your Grave and Eden Lake and Antichrist. And, and do you know what? what's brilliant about it as well is that they're all very, very good films. They're all very yeah. competently, competently shot, very well acted films. They're just a bit too close to home in some instances and a bit too yeah. realistic, especially Eden Lake for me because I live in England. You know, that those kind of you know gangs of youths hanging around who are just cunts and mouthy. Yeah, and again, that's another film that is very, very disturbing for me. So I think it's pretty clever what you've done because you've done, you've picked films that, as movies and cinematic experiences, are really fucking good films. But just some of the subject matter and some of the scenes are just incredibly disturbing to the point where it kind of takes the enjoyment out of the film because it's so realistically graphic and, and nasty. So bravo, sir! I, <laughs> I cannot wait for that Basby Halloween. It's going to be a good month. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really good month. However, Andy, we are going to be back in two weeks' time yes, to bring are. you another three nasties. Now, we were doing some math, uh, which is never recommended first thing on a Sunday morning, right. but we are doing math off-air. Um, after this show, there are six episodes of Doing the Nasty Left. We will be coming back with one more show after that, which will be kind of closing out the run of the show and looking back over our favourite movies, our worst movies, although I get a sneaky suspicion our worst movie was maybe on this show. <laughs> We've done it. Um, We've got it. <laughs> already got that one in the bag. And, and just generally wrapping up everything into uh, a nice neat bow at the end. But yeah, there are only six more episodes left of movie reviews for this podcast. We'd like to thank Jason Lloyd once again for putting us out exclusively on Horophilia. Yeah, and we, another good month for us, actually. Yeah. Another good month in... Um, I, I once again can only thank you guys for checking out the shows and uh, keeping those download numbers up. It's uh, incredibly appreciated. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Anything else you want to say, Andy, before we No, go? no, that's about me, mate, for tonight. Thank you. Or this morning. <laughs> yeah, this morning. Uh, do you want to say goodbye to our listeners? Yeah, cheers, listeners. See you soon. Bye. Bye. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. 
an extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.